Firstly, I'd like to welcome everyone here to the City Builders online service. It's great to have you back with us. Uh, this is a great place to be, and if I were you, I would not miss one of these services because just through this year, God's been doing some amazing things, even while we have been doing, doing uh, during shutdown. And God is moving in the nations, despite what you see and what you hear. God is at work in the background, and that is our belief. And we just look forward to the future with great hope. Uh, this morning, I'm talking about the the title, The Tragedy of Failed Leadership. And before we move into that message, it'd be great if we could just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you, Lord God, for the Word of God, a manual on life. Father, we thank you that according to your Word, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for training, uh, for correction. And Lord God, it is profitable for the adjustment of our own lives and hearts. Father, I pray that you would really help people that are listening in today to understand what you are beginning to do in the nations. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The tragedy of failed leadership. Firstly, leadership is a simple word to say, but such a vast and very important subject. Leadership influences everything, whether it's our family, our organisation, uh, the place where we work, our business, our political party or community. There is no aspect of life that is not influenced by the state of its leadership. Leadership is the actions and the ability to be able to influence other people, individuals or groups towards a common goal. If we want anything to change, it needs to be the right kind of leadership and the right kind of leadership is critical. Leadership is placed in every aspect and domain of society. You might think, well, I'm not a leader. Well, uh, you may not be, but even if you are a, uh, you know, uh, a stay-at-home mum or you're a mum and dad who has children, then you are called to leadership. It's something that we can't, afford, uh, can't um, you know, abdicate from in our life. So, uh, you know, self-leadership is the first dimension that we need to master. And, you know, what that means, it's, it's really talking about seeing the opportunities of life, taking responsibility and making the right choices. And I think that is a good place to start because, you know, whether you are, it's an, we're talking about an individual or a community leader or, or a person like me who leads an organisation like this, we need to see the opportunities of life and we need to take responsibility and we need to continually make the right choices. I believe that success in the end is following the right principles, it is being connected to God, it's doing things His way, and it is continually, day after day, week after week, month after month, making the right choices. One of the most important areas of leadership, where leadership is critical, is the family. And this is really something that, that I personally have a passion about. I am a family man. I, I've uh, been married for over 40 years. Uh, I have a, a, a big family and I love my family, every one of them. 
And uh, God has a plan for his family, and it is a plan of restoration. And it is a plan uh, of, of uh, you know, God really blessing society through family. You know, when God called Abram, he said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to cause you to be a blessing. And through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So one of the first places and most significant areas of leadership is in the family. It's the basic unit of society and it is the basic unit of God's government on the earth. You know, God put government in the family. He put mum and dad there. And, and, you know, when we have children, we have a place of leadership. So we need to see the opportunities. We need to involve God in our decisions. We need to take responsibility and day after day, week after week, month after month, we need to continually make the right decisions to come to the right place. And that is our destiny that is ahead. So I really have this, uh, you know, heart for the family. But if you look around in our generation, there has been much breakdown at this level. Uh, We have families where, uh, you know, uh, through no fault of their own, children are being raised in single-parent homes. And that is because somebody abdicated their leadership, you know, and dad's not there. Uh, So this is not, uh, you know, we're not pointing the finger, we're not wanting to blame anyone. This is the reality of our society. And I'm here this morning to say that God is into the restoration of the family. He's into the rebuilding of uh, of the family. And, you know, God's going to do something in the society in the future where he is going to rebuild society. He's going to restore society. He's going to put things back together again. And this is in the book of Malachi, where, where the word says that if Elijah doesn't come, you know, before the day of the Lord, uh, you know, turning the hearts to the fathers and the hearts of the, uh, the children back to the fathers, then that, that nation, that family, that generation is exposed. Why am I talking about this? We see it all the way through the Bible, different examples. We see the good, we see the bad, and we see the ugly when it comes to leadership. And in Judges chapter 5, verse 2, there's a song of Deborah, and and it's written and, and sung after a great victory. It says, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. And I want to say that to you this morning, you know, that, uh, you know, we can look around our world and our world is hurting and our world is, is broken in so many different ways. And God wants to rebuild our world. But we, as the people of God, have a responsibility by responding and by taking a place of leadership in our society. One of the challenges that we have is when we have the wrong people in the wrong place it is not good. Have you ever worked in a, a work environment where it's just like heaven on earth? And then have you worked in another uh, in work environment where it's almost like hell? Let me tell you, this atmosphere comes down to the leadership, to the quality of leadership. So if we want to pray a worthwhile prayer during this time, we should pray that in every area of society, God raises up accurate, godly leadership. Uh, Does anybody say amen to that? 
And this is what it says in the, in the Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Right now, if you look around the world, you see plenty of people groaning. This has been a particularly tough year. And my heart and our heart as a church goes out to every person that has been affected in any negative way by this year. And I think that would be just everyone. You know, people have lost jobs. People have had to work from home. People have been isolated. People have been cut off from their friends and their family. This has been difficult. But so much of the problems which are avoidable in society are avoidable if the right people are in the right place. And, uh, you know, that's it. At any level, it is wonderful when people get it right. And sometimes good people, good people who are trying to do the right thing by people get it wrong. And, uh, you know, when you make one mistake, uh, that can be painful. And there's not a leader who's never made a mistake. I'm the first to admit that, that uh, there were things that I've done in the past thinking that they were the right way that I would not do in the future. And this is how we learn from our previous experience. But do you know what? Failure in leadership doesn't happen because you make one mistake. You know, failure in leadership happens because uh, you are continually following a path that is not the right path. And, you know, maybe God wants you to come back this morning and reset your life a little bit and reorientate your leadership and reorientate your personal life so that you can move forward the way that God wants you. You know, I remember years and years ago when I was just a new Christian, my pastor back in Albury preaching a series on leadership. And, and I was just a young person. I was very enthusiastic about finding Christ. I was very enthusiastic about being in church. But he said, choose leadership. And I remember through that series of messages that is one of the, the ones that really began to get through to me where I began to pick up the call of God to lead. And, you know, uh, sometimes the call is not really clear because, you know, God has just put us in a place of leadership. It is like all of a sudden we are an accidental leader and uh, God wants to do something through us there. So 220, this year, 2020, sorry, there is a crisis of leadership in the land and throughout the nations. Right now, we see challenges and leadership challenges all over the globe. And, uh, you know, we see an election crisis and an alleged voter fraud in America, very worrying. And uh, even in our own land, we are really questioning not all things that our political leaders do, but some things really need to be questioned. But here is the point. When you have the right people in the right place, you know, uh, when you have righteous people in authority, I'm not necessarily talking about Christians. I'm talking about honourable people. You know, people who are values-driven, people who have integrity. When God raises these men and women up, then they can be very effective. You know, Christians are not always the best people to be in leadership in every place. We want the right people. Say that with me. We want the right people in the right place. And if we have that, man, it's good. 
Like, you know, I've been into some Christian homes and there's such a tension there. And then I've gone into some homes where, you know, uh, the people don't believe or don't understand God the way I do. But there is a peace there and there is a harmony there because the leadership is honourable. You have a mum and dad that love one another. You have a husband and wife that honour for one another, care for one another. So the principle here that I'm talking about is that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Now let me tell you what righteous people are. They are honourable people. They see the possibilities of life. They see the possibilities in the future. They see what's best. They take responsibility. I mean, taking responsibility is something that is, it's almost a sin in this generation. And people know how to play the victim. But do you know what? Success comes when we see the possibilities and when we take responsibility for our life and we show genuine care for others and we make the right choices day after day, week after week and month after month. So there is a crisis of leadership in the land. And, and you know, when, when the leadership is wrong, when the leadership at the top is at conflict, when the leadership is divided, the people who are following begin to groan. They begin to suffer. Often there have been people that have been given the place of leadership, but they are not fit for it. You know, they might be dressed in a great suit. They might look good. But that does not mean, you know, the hair might be nicely groomed and the graying temples are just beautiful. But let me tell you what, you know, glitters is not always gold. You know, it's what's on the inside. It's the heart of man. It's the, it's the heart. It's having the heart to be able to bring unity and to bring what's best in the next generation. So, you know, just because people find the place of leadership, it's not always the best thing. But time will tell. Do you know what? In these days, time will test leadership. You know, my leadership as a, as a pastor and as a leader, as a husband, as a father, will be tested during this time. You know, what I believe will be checked and tested. And this is a principle in God. Because, you know, when the floods come, you know, when the, the, you know, the waves are hitting at the foundation, as it says in Luke chapter 7, you know, our house better be built the right way. Our leadership better be structured. Our home needs to be built right. Our family needs to be structured right. Our church needs to be well-ordered and built the way that God desires and according to the pattern set out in his word. I also believe that God is able to move and the tide is going to dramatically, surprisingly change in the years ahead. There is a crisis in the land. There are challenges in the land. By the way, we still live in a great country. Everything is not, uh, you know, bad. Uh, you know, our leaders are not evil. You know, I'm not saying that. But I believe that there's been a drift in our leadership away from the foundations and God wants to bring our nation back to where it should be. God is concerned for his people and he is also concerned for those that, uh, that uh, you know, wouldn't even consider themselves his yet. So God loves you, you know, he loves me, but the people, the city, 
you know, those that aren't even aware of him, God has such a care and a compassion for them. Let's talk about the current state of leadership. And I just wanted to go 1 Samuel chapter 2, because you see, something was taking place during this era in history. In 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 2, something is going on there. And this is in the time of, uh, you know, around King Saul's leadership in the nation. And there was a priesthood that was in the nation of Israel. You know, uh, and this is important to understand this. I think it's a very challenging verse because what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt and they did not know the Lord. This is really very, very powerful because can you imagine, you know, have, have you ever seen leaders get criticised by people? You know, it's not unusual. In fact, if nobody has ever criticised you for doing something, it's probably because you've never done anything that is of great significance. I think it was Steve, Steve Jobs said, if you want to be a leader, lead. If you want to be popular, sell ice cream. You know, the call to leadership does not always result in popularity. And if you look at this environment in the, in the nations, it's where people, man, they're so polarized in their views. Whereas you go back 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. But here the word says about the sons of Eli, these were the priests in the temple. Do you know what? I believe that God puts uh, extra responsibility on the men and the women that are called to lead his church. You know, because they are given a greater responsibility, uh, you know, for the, 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 for the ones that follow them because they are God's people. So this morning I feel very responsible because I'm just, you know, I'm responsible for what I'm saying. But apart from that, I'm responsible for the people that I'm leading. So I better see the possibilities of life. I better know what pathway to take them because society has become quite divided in a lot of ways. And, you know, we can drift off this way or we can drift off this way and follow the Lord. You know, we've got to choose this day who we are going to serve. As a leader, we are going to, choo- we are going to have to choose who is going to form my belief system. So for me as a uh, a leader, you know, one of the scriptures that has always inspired me, and I'll tell you, first person to say that uh, I have not been the perfect parents, but I love all my children, and I've done my very best for each one. But that says regarding Joshua, Joshua, he made this statement, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a great encouragement, what a great model of leadership was because, see, when you make a decision as a leader, do you know what you are doing? You are making a decision for everybody that is going to follow you. So it is a real tragedy when leadership fails. I mean, perhaps the most responsible area of leadership in the world is the leadership in the home, mum and dad, because they have to lead. They have to not only have children, they have to raise children. They are the custodians of the next generation. So for you to be the best leader, the place where you start 
is in the home, as a mum and dad. So uh, here the Lord spoke in the word, and he said, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Another version actually says they were worthless. Do you know what? I believe that, you know, we can look around and we can see worthless leadership today. You know, people that hold down a position and maybe have even been voted into some of the highest offices in the land. And, you know, uh, it, it's not unusual to criticise the people who are on the party opposite to the one that you have allegiance to. It's not, it's not unusual. And, you know, it's fair game in politics. Uh, we need to be kind and we need to be fair as Christians in the way that we address those who have been given leadership ultimately by God over us. And, and you know, we can say, wow, they're pathetic, you know. And that's one thing. And, and, you know, not everybody's agreed with me and some people can feel quite strongly about that. But here when the Word of God says the sons of Eli were corrupt, they were worthless... Imagine if the Lord of heaven, the God who created the heavens and the earth, spoke about your leadership or my leadership and said, this is worthless. This is amazing. So we have a responsibility. Can you imagine being called uh, worthless by the Lord? So we're talking about the tragedy of failed leadership because leadership does fail from time to time. But this is what we need to know as believers this morning as Christians, that there is always a connection between the state of the spiritual leadership in the land and the actual leadership that is manifesting in every level in society. This is where people like me and people who are responsible for the people of God need to get it right. You should pray for your leaders. You know, I have leaders over my life. I pray for them uh, daily. And this is a really important thing that we do this because there's always a connection between the state of the spiritual leadership in the land and the actual leadership that is manifesting at every level in the land. You know, we see nations divided. We see people fighting on the streets. We see all sorts of tensions where people years ago used to just cohabitate in harmony, but now there is division creeping into different realms of society. Now, let me tell you, this is a leadership problem. Here, the Lord spoke and he condemned this leadership. In fact, he was beginning to cut off the leadership of Eli and he was going to begin to raise something up. Now you just imagine if God all of a sudden began to move and say, that is enough, I've given you enough chances, I'm cutting you off. That is literally what happened here in the scriptures. So in this case, there is a connection between the state of the priesthood and the king. The sons of Eli did not even know the Lord. This is why the role of parenting in the church is perhaps the most important role in the church, even more important than mine. Because what we tend to do is raise good children. We want children to be happy. We want them to do the right thing. And we often convince our children, but they are never really converted. And what really needs to happen is on the inside of the hearts 
of our children at a very early age, we need to be able to work with them as their mum and dad to bring them to the knowledge of Christ and to make sure that they are believing the right thing for the right reason. The scripture says, train up the child in the way that they should go and they'll never depart from it. In other words, when mum and dad, with all that is in, in their hearts, follow the Lord themselves and, and model Christianity and uh, really you know, uh, deposit something in the heart of the next generation, that is the ultimate form of leadership. So we can raise children in the church, but it does not mean that they've met God. These guys were raised in the house of God. These were the sons of Eli. These were the priesthood. And I believe that there is a priesthood on the earth today that is at work in the house that does not know the Lord. And this is one of the reasons why we have such division and such polarization in the land. The sons of Eli didn't even know the Lord. So, uh, but that was the priesthood of the day, but the king of the day was Saul. And he was democratically chosen by the people. He was never really God's man, although God anointed him. He actually possessed the traits of many modern leaders. He was driven by something other than the Spirit of God. He was not motivated by God. Do you know uh, uh, God puts leaders in place? Even leaders that are not ideal and sometimes like the sons of Eli that were corrupt, they are placed there by God. And through their leadership or lack of it, through their good leadership or their bad leadership, their accurate leadership or their inaccurate leadership, God is at work in the nations. So we look around the nations now and what I see in the leadership is a mass departure from the truth. Where, where policies and laws, policies are being established and laws are being passed based on half-truths. And God has got something better than that. So God is going to deal with the priesthood in the land. And this is a time for men and women of God everywhere to begin to come back to Him, to begin to come back to God. So, uh, so this leader was driven by something other than the Spirit of God. You must realize, you know, if you are the Prime Minister or if you are the elected member of the region that we live in, you must realize that that is a role that is given to you by God. And at the end of the day, God is going to judge our leadership. You know, for me, as a pastor, God is... He's got his measuring stick out with regard to my leadership. You know, the way that you live your life as a mum or dad, God wants you to get it right. And I tell you, the scripture says that God is available and he is a, a, a willing hope in times of need. So God is there for you. And you know, I really believe that when leaders pray for the right way, they'll come up with the right answer which at the time may not be the popular one. But in the day, end of the day, those that honour God with their whole heart will be honoured by God. So Saul actually possessed the traits of many uh, modern leaders. He was driven by something other than the Spirit of God. And his attitude, was, which uh, you could say was ego-driven, was highly competitive. And when God began to raise up David 
who was the next generation of leadership, Saul could not handle it because he loved the praises of the people more than he loved God. Isn't this the state of leadership in the land? Where, where uh, our leaders have now disregarded the word of God. You know, our state premier held up the word of God in an inquiry during the year into the hotel quarantine. It is not for me to judge whether what he said was uh, truthful or not, but God will judge it. And in the end, we are going to come back to the truth. At the end of the day, every lie is going to be exposed. You know, everything is going to come out into the open. Everything is going to be shouted from the rooftop. This is the season that we live in, and what an amazing season it is. Saul was self-centered and insecure. You know, we've seen incredible behavior in the leadership of the national world, uh, the, the, the leadership of the Western world, which could be regarded as treacherous. And uh, God wants to bring us back to something. God wants to rebuild the nation. But God has got to deal with the priesthood, you know, before he can deal with the leaders of the nation. So this morning I feel like I'm calling the next level of leadership to come back and make sure that they just don't know the church or the pastor of the church or the youth group of the church, but they know the God of the church. This is very, very important. And uh, David, of course, was jealous of David. I find that the leadership of the day is very, very uh, jealous of true leadership because in this culture, you are not allowed to lead. You are not allowed to lead. When a man, when a David begins to rise, everything begins to attack that man. You know, David was just an obscure shepherd boy, but the day that... He was marked out and called and, and identified by the prophet Samuel. It was like all of a sudden he had a big cross on his back and the Philistines began to give him attention and, and uh, you know, Saul began to give him attention because he was the rising of true leadership. You know, David was not perfect leadership. There's no such thing as a perfect leader. If you are looking for a perfect leader this morning, you better look straight past me, you know, to somewhere else. But God is not looking for perfection in leader, thank God. But God is looking for his Davids in this generation. Those who will have a heart after God. Those that will stand up and lead in the face of conflict and, and even against the Goliath of their generation. That is what God is looking for. So Saul was democratically chosen by the people. He was tall, he was good looking, he was charismatic, he knew how to speak, he knew what to do, he was skilled. But God rejected his leadership. He failed in his leadership. What a tragedy to be given an incredible opportunity to shape the destiny of families, cities and nations and mess it up. What an incredible mess that ended up. In fact, at the end of the story, he fell on his own sword because he couldn't face the music. He checked out in his leadership. But before this, the prophet Samuel came to him 
and spoke to him. And he said this, and I want to read it because, you know, uh, Saul was given an opportunity, but at the end of the day, God rejected his leadership. And this is 1 Samuel chapter, if I can find it quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And, and, and you know, basically this was the promise of, uh, you know, uh, Saul or, or the, the problem with Saul that God asked him to do things in a certain way. And you know, one of the things, one of the requirements of future leadership, I believe, is obedience to the Lord, is that we honour the Lord and that with our whole heart we follow him and not popular opinion. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it talks about the story of how Saul had failed God by being disobedient. And Samuel said to him, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You know, what Samuel did, blew it, and then went and made an offering. You know, how often do we do that? We make a mistake and go make an offering, and then go back and make the mistake again. God's looking for a heart change. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Are there any stubborn people in the church this morning? Sorry, only joking. <laughs> and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. But this is the cutting edge of the word from the prophet. But he said, because you have rejected the Lord. You have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you as being king. Do you know what? That was the day that the prophetic word announced that the reign of Saul was coming to an end. How tragic that a man who was given an opportunity by God, given care over God's people and the nation, compromised on what was important. God wants the leadership of this nation to come back. But I really believe that first it's got to happen in the house of God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know, rebellion is not necessarily a big thing. Sometimes it is just doing stuff like God is in there. And I believe there's a lot of this going on in our nation right now. But you see what God said. He said, now the sons of Eli, they were worthless. They were corrupt. And God began to deal with the priesthood of Eli. And he was beginning to raise up something new. You know, I want to encourage you because nations go through difficult uh, problems and leadership of a nation can go through difficult things, but God is in control. And you know, God's going to begin to turn things around, I tell you. I just believe it. I, I've believed it all the way along that God is going to do something. And once again, in this great nation of Australia, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be honoured. He is the Lord. I mean, the foundations of this nation were built on Christ and on the Christian, uh, you know, ethos. You know, the law surrounded the Ten Commandments and, and you know, the Judeo-Christian um, 
philosophy which, which gives grace. You know, this is God. This is, this is the heart of God. But you see, our leaders have compromised and drifted. But long before they did, the sons of Eli, the priesthood, compromised and began to drop the standard. Why? Because the leadership were looking for the praises of men, not the approval of God. How similar the leadership in this generation is to that era. Good news this morning as we move forward. National crisis is the perfect environment for a new order of leadership to rise in the nation. When leadership is going down, when the family is, uh, you know, being deconstructed by the crazy Marxist philosophies of the day, it can turn around, and it will. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the boy Samuel, you know, the sons of Eli now were being cut off, but God is raising up a new order. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. For there was no widespread revelation. And the Lord called Samuel. Samuel's a little boy serving the priest in the temple. God began to call him out. He began to speak to him. But in this young boy, the destiny of the nation was in his mouth. I know that I'm largely speaking to an audience of believers. And I want to acknowledge that you do not have to be a Christian to be a great leader. But if we are ever to see Australia enter its spiritual destiny and receive its birthright, which is given by God, its spiritual destiny, Christians need to be involved in God's recovering plan, recovery plan for the nations. And they need to be very courageous. The Marxist ideologies of the day aim at dividing and conquering. Black from white, Christians from non-Christians... They divide around the area of our sexuality or our preferred sexuality. And laws are being per passed in our own nation and even in our own state. They're on the table in our own state, which are not good laws. And they don't come from good leadership. They don't come from good leadership. Do you know what? Good leadership does not divide but it brings unity. It brings people together. It helps black love white. You know, it helps uh, gay people and, and people who are not gay uh, function together and live together and actually love one another. This is the heart of God. You know, but the ideologies of the day are turning white against black and this one's against that one and, and it's, it's what you call identity politics. And I tell you what, it is, it's rooted in a philosophy called Marxism and it is evil. And bad laws are being passed. This is my warning to the church this morning and to those that are listening that persecution is at the door. There are laws being passed which are set to marginalise and even criminalise good people. You'll find out more about this. Right now, legislation is uh, being passed that will allow good people to be penalised heavily for holding on to a view that maybe they have and maybe we have as a nation for centuries. 
this is not right. The tragedy of failed leadership. God wants us to come back and he wants us to be the ones that begin to reverse the cycle. There's a couple of things that I really want to point out to you this morning and I hope I can go through them reasonably quickly. But these are leadership competencies that we need. We need to regain our leadership in society. We need to take our place in every domain. We need to be involved. We should not only be in church, but we need to be in the marketplace. And we need to be an influence. You know, we're not here to bang anyone over the head with a Bible. We are here to love our community and to serve our community. But we are also here to represent the truth from God's point of view. Now, here's some leadership competencies that are critically important. Number one, connectedness with God. I want to ask you this morning, how is your connectedness with God? Now, I'll tell you, when you lose your connection, you can be going through the routine. You can be going through the routine. You can be in the house. You can even be maybe leading the worship. I don't know. Or, or uh, you know, you can have been in church for years, but the connection is lost. The sons of Eli did not value the connection. They picked it up, the position from the generation uh, that came before, but they did not have the God of the generation that went before. The sons of Eli lost the connection and when that happens, our leadership becomes, according to the scripture, worthless. And I see some leadership which there's no other way you could describe it in every area of society that is worthless. It's corrupted. And God wants, he's not asking us to point that out or condemn that, but he's asking us to check our own leadership and to come back and reestablish our connection with God. Number two, one of the leadership competencies that we must have and we must develop in our life is prophetic insight. We really need to know and understand the seasons that we are living in. You know, Samuel was quite an interesting man because he could see something that others couldn't see. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, a little bit earlier, the Lord had spoken to him and said, now go and anoint the son of Jesse to be king. And he went out there into Jesse's place and there were brothers in this family, went right through the brothers to the biggest, right down to the littlest. And they said, there must be one other. Samuel said, there must be one other. It's not one of these. And then Jesse said, well, David is in the field. Go and get him. And when David came in, the Lord identified David to Samuel and David right there as a shepherd boy was anointed as the next leader of the nation. Do you know what? God can turn things around. And I believe that we are living in a season where there's some crazy things happening in our nation and across the globe, but God is going to turn the tables, even in our own city. I believe there's a great reversal because some things that have been done and said in the background that should never have been said. And God is at work. God is going to honour his men. He's going to honour his women. He's going to honour his mums and dads. And God is going to bring false leadership to an end. Because the true leadership, the Davids right across the cities and the nations are going to begin to arise. David was anointed by king uh, to be king. So Jesse made seven of his sons pass by. And Samuel said, 
The Lord has not chosen these. Are all of the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Bring him, bring him down, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for he is the one. Do you know what? God's already chosen his next generation of leaders. You know, so we're coming up for some surprises in the future. All over, because God is doing something during this time. David was anointed as king. I really, the next, believe, you know, with this point, prophetic insight is so important. And it comes out of connectedness with God. So if you are not connected with God, you have no revelation, you have no inspiration, you're just following the crowd. And that is the quality of leadership that we see. That's the quality of the priesthood that we can see. But God's calling something out. And the next move is going to be a sons and daughters movement. Amen. It's like ones, we've been talking about discipleship, how we have one, ordinary believers. We have two, a process of discipleship. But the idea you know, the, the role of discipleship is to bring people to sonship. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and Acts chapter 2, it says that in the latter days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. My son, Actually, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And I really believe that speaks directly to me, my children, our household, that our sons and daughters will prophesy. They will have prophetic insight. They'll have an understanding of the times. They will be a standout from society because they've chosen sonship. They've chosen to go to the next level. Number three, we need an alignment with the cause of Christ. This, is, this was David's mo motivating factor. When the armies of Israel were going out before Goliath every day and Goliath was challenging the people of God. He was challenging a leader to rise. And David goes, what are you doing? Is there not a cause? Well, I tell you what, there is a cause in the land and the land needs to see some great leadership rise, some anointed leadership, some Davids, you know, some shepherd boys, you know, some office girls, you know, I, I don't know who that is. Some, maybe some grannies. Who is God going to use? It's whoever says, is there not a cause? Don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself. We need an alignment with the cause of Christ. And, you know, as David began to answer that call, the anointing came upon him so heavily and he became the one who brought the presence of God right back into the city of God. He was the man who passionately pursued what God pursued with the ark of God. I want to tell you this this morning, that in all our wrestles, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, and it is not against any people group. And I am highlighting that, and I'll say it over and over again. It is against principalities and powers that seek to divide and conquer. God wants us to love our city. God wants us to extend grace to our city. God wants us to be able to relate and love people that have an absolutely opposing view to us. This is the heart of God. 
Which brings me to the next point. We need integrity and conviction. The leadership, I have been amazed and appalled at some of the leadership that is allowed over political issues, politically motivated issues that have come up even in our own city and region over the last five years or more that where leadership have stood back and allowed the division to happen when one word from a leader can bring people together. Good leadership is not threatened by someone who holds an opposing view. Good leadership leads for all and loves for all. So we need leaders who have integrity and conviction. Number four this morning, servanthood. Uh, One of the memory verses we've been going through is uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 onwards, and it talks about how Jesus was in heaven. And it says, let this mind be being in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in, in the form of God, he, he left his divinity there and he came, took on the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient. Do you, I, I believe that we are called to serve with our life, to serve God first, to serve the Lord Jesus first, then to serve in our families, to serve the other members of our family, to serve them. You know, Jesus was a, a servant, but also David, God took him from being a she- you know, in the sheepfold and he took him to shepherd Jacob as inheritance. And it is like a picture of the leadership of Christ. And he guided the nation of Israel according to the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. We need to be leaders. The last point this morning is that on the inside we must have the life of Christ. Do you know what? When we've become disconnected from God, it is like we lose that sense of the Christ life on the inside. Do you know what? God is not worried about you making mistake. God is not even worried about you holding some different views that he does. Now, I tell you, you can find his views quite clearly if you study the word of God. You can find his views, but God is not insecure. Jesus came into the earth and he laid his life down for all men and all women. Now, the life of Christ, the life of the risen Christ can come and be on the inside of me. God can come and live on the inside. So, uh, you know, on the inside of every believer, every true believer, the life of Christ, the seed that is sown in there, the Bible calls it an incorruptible seed. And it is going to grow through the good times and the bad times. The life on the inside of you is going to become a nature and it is going to become a style of leadership. And it'll be the leadership that David modeled in the Old Testament when he led the nation of Israel and when he took out Goliath. And it'll be the, la- the leadership that Christ himself demonstrated when he walked on the earth. Do you know what? These two men, David in the Old Testament was like a type of Christ. But there is no one like Jesus himself. And Jesus is not here to condemn anyone. He did not come into the world to condemn anyone. He came into the world to save a generation from its waywardness and from its disconnectedness and from its sin and from its perversity. 
God wants to bring us back. This morning, the first thing that we need to do is we need to establish that connection on the inside of our heart. Whoever you are, whether you are a political leader somewhere in the nation that's checking in this morning, whether you are a business leader, whether you are a mum or a dad, whether you are a pastor, you need to start to fix things by starting and reconnecting with God. And this, right now I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you in prayer. And if you will open your heart and you will follow this, God will do something so tr dramatically uh, you know, transformational on the inside of you as he is with me. So would you like to pray after me as we, uh, as we do this this morning? It would be my great privilege to be able to lead you in this prayer. Say this, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ and that he is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you have raised him from the dead to life. I want to trust you as my saviour, Jesus. And I will follow you as my Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. Lord Jesus, I open the door of my life. Come in. Live on the inside of me. Forgive me for my sins. You are my Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, if you sincerely prayed that prayer, according to the scripture, you are now born again. But what you do next is very important. And that means that we take a step towards following Jesus. When Jesus met his disciples, he said, come follow me and I am going to make you fishers of men. You know, if you would really like just to uh, follow up on that prayer that you just prayed, then I'd invite you to find us on our website and uh, just send us an email there and we can get in contact with you. And uh, we can send you some information that'll help you get started on your journey with Christ. It's been great having you with us this morning. I pray that you become the leader that you are called to be. And uh, I just also want to say have a wonderful day, a great week and God's blessing in your life. Amen.